We are in this Fresh Hope series leading up to Christmas, and we're very excited for what this season means. As Thad said last week, this is the Advent season, as you'll often hear. And basically, Advent is where we just celebrate the arrival of Jesus. And so it's a very momentous time. It's a very like important thing for us to dwell upon and think about really on a daily basis as we're in this Advent season as we approach Christmas, to really put our thoughts and our minds and our hearts on Jesus and his gift um, just to us. And so we, we think about those things. And so two years ago, we did a series that kind of went through all the different aspects of the Advent, because oftentimes, you know, people will jump from hope to peace to joy to love. And so then, um, but last year we did a series all about joy. This year it's all about hope. And so then next week we'll jump to peace and probably love. The, um, we, we, we try and talk about love a lot throughout the year, but we'll probably do a whole series on that. And um, so anyway, I'm, I'm going to jump back. I was on the last page of my notes on here. And so although many of you would like for me to start from there, we're going to start from the beginning. And so, and so uh, I don't know about you, but in, when you're in amidst the Christmas season, I often find myself hoping for things of what the season might bring to me. It's often a time where we can reconnect with family. You know, as a kid growing up, it was on the calendar every year. To I lived in Portland at the time, and so we would take the 10-hour trip from Port Beaverton, Oregon, to Missoula, Montana every Christmas, and like, you know, like clockwork every single year. And so it was a time to like see my cousins who I haven't seen for a year, to go like skiing with them. You know, I, one of my favorite memories is one of my cousins teaching me how to ski. And like, he was like the cousin, he's like way older than me. So, you know, of course I like idolized him and tried to be, you know, like him. And so it was the coolest thing. He would ski backwards and kind of, you know, direct me as like me right in front of him. And so it's just one of the coolest things I'll never forget is just him skiing backwards. And so then it was so cool when I be able, was able to ski backwards. But we often have these like things that we hope for for the Christmas season. So maybe you have those things. And oftentimes we can get to the end of the Christmas season and we can kind of look back or maybe when the new year hits, you kind of think about what was the Christmas season for you? Did it fulfill all your hopes that you had for it? Was there fulfillment of the things that you wanted to happen over the Christmas season? And so today we're talking about hope and it's the same thing. We're, we're expecting, we're anticipating the arrival of Jesus. We're celebrating that this Christmas. And so we're going to talk and jump into hope today. But last week we read um, verses out of John 1. One. And so I'm going to hit the last part of what Thad kind of read last week. And it's John 1, 9 through 14. And so this is John telling us, and what's interesting is John is not even talking about like the specifics or the details of the Christmas story, but what he's saying is the Christmas story. And this is what he says in 1, 9. He says, The one who is, true, who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. That's the Christmas story. Light was coming into the world. And so he, went, he continues on. He said, He came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. So the Word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. 
My favorite part is in that last verse where it says he was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And so no matter what you have put your hope into, no matter where you might be in life, what circumstances you might be walking through, we can know that Jesus is full of unfailing love and faithfulness to love us and to forgive us of our sins when we repent from them. And so that's what we're celebrating this Christmas is light coming into the world that God came into the world he created as a human being so he can make homes with us. And so that's what Christmas is all about. You might hear words like Emmanuel. That's God with us. When we talk about Advent, that means just the arrival of Jesus. And so it's all this time that we're talking about the hope that is to come. And so the big idea today is that our ultimate hope is Jesus. When we're talking about hopes and dreams for our lives, we need to remember that the ultimate hope that we have is Jesus and salvation through him. And so what I love about reading that introduction book of John is that, well, like what we, Thad read all of it last week, and so I want to encourage you to kind of go back into that. But usually we hit on the books of Luke predominantly when we're talking about the Christmas story. We also hit on Matthew sometimes. But John, he barely like even goes to the details, but it's just such a succinct description of what Christmas, what Jesus' arrival to earth meant. And so it's important important for us to study that. Our ultimate hope is found in verse 12, that those that believe and accept Jesus, we are given the right to become children of God. Through Jesus' arrival, we now, through if we choose to accept him and follow him and believe that he lived his life, lived a perfect life, died on the cross, rose again, when we believe all those things and put our hope in him, that we become children of God. And so we have some thoughts on hope that should help encourage you to kind of think about what it means in this season to, what, to make Jesus our ultimate hope. Because we're going to be talking about some false hopes that we often put our hope into, that we kind of get distracted by. But how do we put our ultimate hope in Jesus this Christmas season? And so we have some thought, three thoughts to unpack for you. And so thought one, we're going to jump right in. And it says, Third thought one is there's a constant pull for our hope. In our culture today, in our society, in our world, there's a constant pull on the, our hope that we have, that we can offer to give, and it often pulls us in a million different directions. And so even think about, I want you to think about if you've been watching TV, you know, doing that thing. One thing I noticed is that I, I, we cord cut in the last year, and so now we watch through, like, um, Xfinity streaming. And so one thing I found is that all the commercials are pretty repetitive. There's no variety. It's like the same commercial over and over and over again. And so it's like by the end of, like, a TV show or especially a sports game, I can pretty much, like, say verbatim exactly what is going on in these commercials. And it's like they got me hook, line, and sinker. But think about our hopes, especially in the things that we buy and how we're marketed to. We are offered products, and often those things are given to us because of the hope that that will bring. I saw a commercial for Flex Seal, and they said that if I put the little tape on a sawed-in-half boat, that it will bring it together and it would become a boat again. Like, that's a hope that I would have if I had a boat that I happened to saw in half. It's like, I would have the way to fix it because of Flex Seal. They're fulfilling a hope that I would have had for a damaged boat with a hole in it that was put in there from a cannonball. You know, it's just like, 
I know, what was I shooting cannonballs for in my backyard for? I don't know, but my boat now has a hole in it, and so now I have flex seal to fix it. Fulfilling hope. Man, get some of that stuff. But, and that was a joke, <clears throat> but with something very serious, it's like, I used to have an Xbox, but then my roommate moved out of the house, and so now it's just me and Danny, and now we no longer own an Xbox. And so, you know, last Christmas, I got like a new, brand new FIFA 18 video game that I could no longer play because my roommate, John, our youth pastor, took it and stole the Xbox. That was his own. And now I no longer have an Xbox. And so one of the things, I'm not even asking it for it. I don't even want one. But... I was watching a commercial, on, it was on YouTube, and it was, totally hit my hopes and dreams for what could possibly be the best case scenario for an Xbox. And it was this uh, commercial of a kid with um, disabilities. I, I wrote down what he has. He had Escobar syndrome, so he had limited mobility. And the commercial, the premise of the commercial is all these kids running through the neighborhood saying, he's going to do it, he's going to do it. And so it goes from house to house, Kids are playing. They stop everything that they're doing all to go to this kid Owens, his house. And you see him playing with this special controller that, that Microsoft has made for people with disabilities so they can play video games. And it's just like, I almost started crying like in the middle of this commercial over an Xbox. But it just shows you the way our culture wants to pull out our hope and tug it in every different direction to try and get us buy things. And they get you at this line. Because, and it's like, what I would, if I was making a case to get an Xbox for Christmas, I would say this. Because when everybody plays, we all win. That's what it ended with. And I was like, oh yeah, I got to use this. This is fulfilling my hopes and dreams of the most positive outcome outcome of having an Xbox could be. But that's what happens in our society and in our culture. It's like we have these hopes, they're pulled in multiple different directions. And so maybe for you and for things, we have these hopes for things in our lives. And so for some it's wealth. You know, we're in jobs, we're trying to gain money for a hope that a future that we want to have for us or our family. We have hopes and dreams for, for possessions. You know, we just bought a house in the last year. We wanted to buy a house because we thought it would be the best thing for our family. For relationships, oftentimes we have hopes and dreams for our spouses or our kids or our friends or people that we have close relationships with. We have hope for those things. Maybe it's for you, it's time. Like we put our hope in time. We might think that in a year I'm going to be able to do this. Or in oftentimes we think, well, I am... 32 years old, have I accomplished what I've wanted to accomplish in my life? What I hoped to accomplish by now, have I fulfilled it? For some, it's health. I have hope for my health. I have hope to be healthy in a year or in 10 years, or I hope I don't get cancer. Or we go through these things and we put our hope into these things. For social approval, it's such a big deal right now. Like with social media, it's like sometimes we think if no one liked my comment or no one liked the post of the picture of my family, then is, is society or my friends judging my family because they didn't like it or they didn't love it or they did the laughing symbol, but it wasn't supposed to be funny. You know, it was like I was just putting up a nice portrait of myself and someone laughed at it. It was like, that's kind of rude. And so it's just like we have this need for social approval. And then it gets to other things, politics and government. It's like sometimes we might think that we have a hope 
for our country, and then it doesn't go our way, and we get mad. And, you know, if you look and you read through Scripture, government was a huge issue for the time that Jesus came into. The Jews were ran and, like, basically held by the Roman rule. And so you had to pick a side. You either for Roman rule or you were against it and had to rebel against it. And so this is like, will you put your hope in government or are you going to put a hope in a savior? And that's kind of the scene that Jesus came into. And so these things are constantly pulling for our hope. But if we're not careful, these things can become ultimate in our lives. In Deuteronomy 5, 6 through 10, it talks about the Ten Commandments. And the first two we're going to read right here. And they really hit on this about putting things ultimate or before God. And so this is what it says in Deuteronomy 5, 6 through 10. It says this, I am the Lord your God who rescued you from the land of Egypt, the place of your slavery. You must not have any other God but me. You must not make for yourself an idol of any kind or an image of anything in the heavens or on the earth or in the sea. You must not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God who will not tolerate your affection for any other gods. I lay the sins of the parents upon their children. The entire family is affected, even children in the third and fourth generations of those who reject me. But I lavish unfailing love for a thousand generations on those who love me and obey my commands. And so for us, when we read that, it might be easy for us to think, well, you know, I've never made an image and worshipped it. Of course, I worship God. I come to open life on Sundays and I worship Jesus. You know, we kind of read these things and it's like, well, I've never bowed down to another idol. Like, this is obviously not talking about what I'm going through. But for us in our culture and for us right here, a good definition of an idol would be anything that becomes ultimate in our lives. Anything that becomes like the thing in our lives above God, that has become an idol above him. And so the danger that arrives is when we put our hope in good things, but not in God things. And so that whole list that I walked through, the wealth, possessions, relationships, time, health, those aren't necessarily bad things in and of themselves. Those are things that we should have goals for, we should have dreams for, we should have hopes for. But when we begin to put our hopes and dreams above all other things in those things, even above God, then we, that's where we're rocking into worshiping those over God. And so when we're talking about the ultimate hope of Jesus, it's about putting things in proper priority. And so when God is ultimate, we look at those things through that filter. When we put God at the top, then we can look at that list and say, because I've choose to worship God first, because he's the first and last of everything that I'm going to be doing, I'm going to look at everything else through the lens of God. So it changes the way I look at my possessions and my finances. The way that I approach my relationships is different because of the way and the relationship that I have with God if I put him ultimate. But what happens is when we begin to mix that order. Like maybe you put your possessions or your wealth above God. So then that begins to filter the way that we look at God if God's not ultimate. And so what can happen is we begin to get a distorted view of who God is. We we can begin to think that because I have gained my goals and my possessions and I have got that extra bonus at Christmas, that God is blessing me because of all those things. And we begin to think, well, if I didn't get a bonus, then God is judging me because I've put my 
all my whole life and my pursuits into my wealth, to my possessions, and even our health. How often do we think that when we're sick or when we know someone who's sick and they, you know, they fall and die through, from cancer? It happened to my mom two years ago. It would, would have been easy for me to think that God was judging me and my family and didn't save my mom if I put my whole hope in her health. But my hope was in Jesus. And so that changes the filter of how you see everything else. And so that's what we're talking about today, is how do we put God at the ultimate point in our lives to put our hope into? And so you, you might be asking yourself, well, how do I know if God is ultimate? How do I know if, you know, I really have put God at the top of my, you know, hope list, that all my hope goes to him and everything else is going to trickle down? Well, thought two is that unmet expectations reveal where we've placed our ultimate hope. When we have unmet expectations, that's going to reveal where we've placed our ultimate hope. And so this is oftentimes where the rubber meets the road. Because when things that we have hoped for and things that we have really put our effort and minds towards, when they fall through and they don't go according to plan, you're going to quickly find out where you've put your hope. And if you're in re-engage, this might sound familiar because we talked about this in our relationships with our spouses, is that when you put um, unreasonable expectations and those aren't met, then you begin to understand like, what you're truly loving and what's truly important. But it also affects the way that we follow God. So we all have hope for those things that I listed off previously. But when those fail, what happens? Do we get angry? Do we get wrecked? Do our lives become something different because we didn't get that promotion or, you know, our job plan isn't going the way we wanted it to? Maybe you're trying to have a a child and it's just not working out. And so what happens? Does your life just get totally derailed and totally, like, just distracted because of your hope that you put in having a family over your ultimate hope in Jesus. And so it can affect all of us. And so it happens even to people in Scripture. The King David, as you read it through the Psalms, many of the Psalms are him not complaining, but just telling God truthfully the frustrations he's having in his life. And one of the things, one, a few verses I just want to read is from Psalms 31, 21 through 24. And that's the Psalm of David. And he says this, Praise the Lord, for he has shown me the wonders of his unfailing love. He kept me safe when my city was under attack. In panic, I cried out, I am cut off from the Lord, but you heard my cry for mercy and answered my call for help. Love the Lord, all you godly ones, for the Lord protects those who are loyal to him, but he harshly punishes the arrogant. So be strong and courageous, all you who put your hope in the Lord. And so I don't think I'm alone in the room today and would say that I don't think I'm the only one who's ever felt like David did, where I could say, honestly, I'm in a panic and I cried out, I am cut off from the Lord. Sometimes in our lowest moments and when our hopes don't come to bear, that's where we we honestly feel that God has cut himself off from us. You know, if you read other translations or some of the the scholars that kind of tell you what he's actually talking about, another translation of I am cut off from the Lord is that sometimes we can think that God isn't providing for my very needs. And so that can happen. 
a loved one dies from cancer. You're trying to have kids, and it's just not happening the way you planned it to. You lose your job at an inconvenient time in your life. You know, a relationship dies that you thought was strong, that you could put your hope in, but it, it just didn't work out. And so in those moments, in those times, what do you turn to? What is your ultimate hope? How do my unmet expectations affect where I put my ultimate hope? And so Peter is the one who taught you. He wrote, wrote a letter, you know, to the church. And he wrote this letter. And this is what he says when we face these trials in our lives. He says, all praise, in 1 Peter 1, 3-7, he says, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy that we have been born again because God raised Jesus from the dead. Now we live with great expectation. Now we live with great expectation. That's like hope. Now we live with hope because of Jesus. And we have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. And through your faith, God is protecting you by his power until you receive the salvation, which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see. So that is the ultimate hope of Jesus. But he continues on and he says this, which is really hard to understand when we're going through trials, but this is what he says and this is what we're challenged to do. So be truly glad there is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. These trials will show you that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. These trials that we're walking through will show that your faith is genuine. And so when things don't, all those things that you had hoped for, all those things that you had a plan for, that then they failed according to your plan, those trials will reveal the strength of your faith. They'll reveal where you've placed your ultimate hope. And so when we meet these unmet expectations, it is an opportunity to see if our faith is our faith in Jesus is truly genuine. It is an opportunity for, to see, for us to see where we've placed our ultimate hope. And so the problem is, is that if in the absence of, in the absence of ultimate hope, oftentimes we will, we'll choose false hopes to put our hope into as a way of an escape. So oftentimes when this happens, if you do not have ultimate hope in Jesus, that's when we begin to escape and try and fulfill fill things up. We might be angry, we might be stressed, we might be worried, and we begin to fill those things with a whole list of other things. So it could be, it could be alcohol, it could be sex, it could be drugs, where we say, you know what, my life can't handle this right now, and so the bottle or glass of wine sounds a lot better than feeling the feelings I have of unmet expectations. You know, maybe it's a pornography or, you know, an inappropriate relationship with someone that's not your spouse because, you know, your marriage is just too stressful right now and you need an escape and a way to get out. Oftentimes it can be simpler things. Is it a plate of food that sounds better and not as judgmental as if you were going to drink alcohol at the end of the night? And so it could be so many different things, clearly false hopes that we put our hope into because we need a way of escape, ultimately because we didn't put our ultimate hope in Jesus 
for him to walk through these circumstances with us. And so 1 Peter, he continues on in that letter, in verses 13 through 16, in that, in that book. And he says this, So prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control. Put all your hope in the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. So you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then. But now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. For the scriptures say you must be holy because I am holy. And then he continues on in verse 21. Through Christ you have come to trust in God. And you have placed your faith and hope in God because he raised Christ from the dead and gave him great glory. And so, you know, you hear me talk about these things that our society struggles with a lot. Alcohol is a huge problem in our society. The quick release of drugs is a huge epidemic in our society that people are dying of overdoses all the time. And so you say all those, I say all those things, and it might sound like I'm coming down on people, but the truth is when we put our ultimate hope in Jesus is that that last verse in verse 21, through Christ you have come to trust in God. It is through the power of Jesus for us who believe that we get to pursue and do what verse uh, 13 said. It's to prepare our minds for action and exercise self-control. And so this is what Jesus died on the cross for and came to earth. Our ultimate hope is that through his power, that the same power that rose Jesus from the dead is alive in us through the Holy Spirit that he sent to us. So we could live with perseverance for action and for self-control in our lives. For us to put our ultimate hope in Jesus. That's what's most important. And so it's through Jesus that we do this. It's not like you can just flip the order around. We don't get to try and live our lives perfectly to be holy like God is holy in hopes that then we can be saved. It is we put our ultimate hope in Jesus and then that power comes and fulfills us and lifts us up and helps us to live differently. This says, you know what? You can endure through your trial. You don't have to resort to an affair. You don't have to resort to pornography. You don't have to resort to alcohol or wine, but you get to live in self-control by the power of the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us. Eugene Peterson wrote this about hope. And if you don't know who Eugene Peterson, if you've ever read the message, it's actually a paraphrase of the Bible, and he wrote all of it. And so he's just a famous theologian and scholar, and so this is what he says about hope. Hoping does not mean doing nothing. It is the opposite of desperate and panicky manipulations, of scurrying and worrying. And hoping is not dreaming. It is not spinning an illusion or fantasy to protect us from our boredom or our pain. It means a confident, alert expectation that God will do what he said he will do. And this is my favorite part. It is imagination put in the harness of faith. It is a willingness to let God do it his way and in his time. Hope is imagination put in the harness of faith. When we put our ultimate hope in God, we're choosing to lower ourselves and say, God, I'm going to wait here in this time. Your time is far more important than my timing. Your plan is far more important than my plan. And so thought three is that ultimate, our ultimate hope requires patience. 
You know, Hebrews 11.1 talks about faith and hope and how they interact together. And it says faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. And so faith shows us something that we hope for, that we have not yet attained. And so when you think back to that, the verse in 1 Peter is that our expectation, we're eagerly anticipating Jesus' second coming. During this Christmas season, we're celebrating Jesus coming to earth and him living his life. And ultimately, you know, then in the spring, we celebrate Easter and his death and resurrection. But then there's this time now that we're living in, you know, 2,000 years later, where now we're waiting for the second coming of Jesus. We're honestly, we're waiting. We're just in this moment of waiting. And so this needs to be a patient waiting. This needs to be a patient hope. And so there's two, the Christmas season is full of stories that kind of encourage this waiting aspect. And so if you think about two people that often don't get talked about because it's after the fact that Jesus was born. But there's two people named Simeon and Anna. And then this story is right after the Luke 2 passage that we often hear. Um, the Peanuts version that you often see on TV, you know, is, it stops before this time. But it's really important because you get to see people's reactions from their waiting. And so the first story that you read about is the prophecy of Simeon. And so in Luke 2.25, it says that he was a righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. So he's just living his life. He's waiting on a Messiah. And so what happens is eight days after Jesus is born, Joseph and Mary take him to the temple because that's what you had to do. Like you had to take him to be circumcised according to the law. And so that's what they were going to do. And so the Holy Spirit directs Simeon to go at that same time to experience Jesus. And so then you read this prophecy from Simeon over Jesus. And it says this, Luke 2, 29 through 32. He says, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you have promised. I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people Israel. Very similar language to what we read about at the beginning in John 1, is that the light entered into the world. Simeon is speaking in agreement with that by saying that he is the light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people Israel. And so you see that story, and then right after that, then you hear about another woman. Her name's Anna, and she's a prophetess. And her story is that she's married for seven years, and then her husband dies, and she's a widow. And it says in, the, in Scripture that she lived to be 84 years old. So a whole portion of her life, she's sitting there as a widow, and it says she spent day and night in the temple. That she was just there constantly praising, worshiping God, waiting for a Messiah. And so she too overhears what Simeon is saying. And so this is what, this is what it says in Luke 2.38. She came along just as Simeon was talking with Mary and Joseph. And she began praising God. She talked about the child to everyone who had been waiting expectantly to God to rescue Jerusalem. Patience allows us to keep Jesus as our ultimate hope. Patience, if we're truly patiently waiting, whether we're in the trial or whether we're in a time where we just feel like life is falling into place the way that we would have planned it. Patience lets us see and process and know when we see ultimate hope. 
So I'm, I'm challenged by the way Simeon and Anna lived their life in this. That they had no promise that the things were going to come, but they sat and waited patiently for their Messiah. And so that's my challenge for you today, is that we too are in this moment where we wait patiently in the midst of our trials. That if Jesus is our ultimate hope, we don't have to turn or put other things above Jesus, but we can let Jesus be our ultimate hope to get us through our lives. And so this Christmas, as we're heading in closer and closer to Christmas, we're like within two and a half weeks away, is that we get to just continue to look towards Jesus and figure out, is he my ultimate hope in my life? Because our action point today is that we would just put our ultimate hope in Jesus. That we would just honestly choose and think about, God, have I changed the hierarchy of what's important in my life and put you below some other things that I think are more important? There's no better time than during the Advent and the Christmas season as we celebrate the arrival of Jesus for us to sit and process and think continually on and dwell upon daily if God is enough for us. For us to just think, God, no matter what trial I might walk through, no matter what situation I might be going to, I might be have a life of sin, but am I willing to repent and turn from the season and ask for your forgiveness? Am I willing to put my need for finances or possessions down on the floor so I can worship you? We have that opportunity this Christmas. We have that opportunity for the next two weeks to really just put God where he needs to be and that's ultimate in our lives. And so I hope today that we have a few more minutes to go back into worship and pray that we would do that, that we would put our ultimate hope in him, that we would go home and begin to process, you know what? I think I am holding a little too tightly to these things and I did meet some unmet expectations and it ruined and wrecked my life. But to say, God, I wanna give that to you and offer it to you. We need to find perspective. We need to identify where we've put our ultimate hope. We need to not escape and patiently endure. And so I'm gonna pray and then we'll read Romans 15, 13 together, kind of as the cap of what we're doing today. But God, I just pray right now, Lord, that we would take opportunity to put you in proper perspective. That ultimately, God, we would put you at the top of our list of priorities and needs, God, that we would pursue you with our whole heart and our whole lives, God. That you would move in and through us, God, to know you better, to know you more, God. I pray, Lord, that we would seize upon the opportunities we have during this Christmas and Advent season, God, to really think about and dream about your arrival, to put you as our ultimate hope. God, we just thank you for that. We believe in that, and we look to your second coming. We believe for it, and we hope for it, God, in your name. Amen. And so Romans 15, 13 says on the screen, if you want to put that up there. It says, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you'll overflow with confident hope 
through the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's worship today and make God our ultimate 